welcome back to another episode of Nothing But Net. Um, it's Evan here, joined today by Nick and David, like usual. Um, and we got another episode where we're about 50 games through the NBA regular season. So we're kind of moving right along here, chugging right along. And uh, a couple things right around the corner. Trade deadline is coming up uh, in a few days as we're recording this. And then the All-Star break um, will be coming right around the corner as well. So um, we're going to be touching a little bit on some of those two things in our later topics today. Um, but I guess we'll just hop hop right into our first quarter segment. Um, and this is our who's hot and who's not segment. So each uh, one of us will talk about one team and one player who has been hot, playing really well uh, since the last time we recorded, and then who's not or you know playing very poorly. Um, so we'll start with the hot and David, you can go first. You can start with either your team or player who has been hot, in your opinion. Uh, for me, I'm going to start with the team. I'm going to say the Cavaliers. I know we can talk about it later um, in our team segment. But to give a quick rundown, they've won six games in a row, nine and one in the last ten, and are currently five games out of first, um, which is a lot higher than I think any of us expected him, expected them. Um, granted, those recommend those predictions were for the end of the season, but still a lot higher than what most of us were expecting. And then team, the player, I'm going to go D'Angelo Russell. In the last few games, he's had 28 points, 16, 16, 23, and 28. Uh, a couple of blocks in there and over 30 assists as well. Very nice. Very nice. So, yeah, we'll definitely touch a little bit deeper in onto the Cavs during our home team segment. But, of course, love the pick and uh, love to see them performing well as well. And D'Angelo Russell, that's a good that's a good pick. He's been playing really well despite being in a lot of trade rumors recently, which I think is kind of funny. He's kind of trying to show his his worth to the Lakers and saying, you know, maybe maybe don't trade me. Maybe I'm you know worth being on this team. Um I know there was one moment in the Warriors-Lakers game that happened where they went to double overtime. And I think he had like, they had, had gone like three straight possessions, turning the ball over. And then D'Angelo Russell just took it down and just shot a three immediately. And it was like the gutsiest shot, but he actually made it. Um, so yeah, he's been, he's been playing really well. And um, I mean, he's always one of those somewhat up and down players in his career, but right now he's, he's definitely on a hot streak. So Definitely would agree with with both of those for you, um, both of your teams and players that you're feeling are on that hot streak right now. Nick, um, do you want to share your hot team and player? Yeah, I think. Listen, I mean, the Cavs are probably the one that you look at, um, <laughs> at least for us. But <laughs> I do think maybe a, a second would be the Knicks. They're nine and one also over the last ten games. Um, Jalen Brunson's playing out of his mind. So I think, you know, that's that's a good combination of player team there of people who's hot. Um, and I think just a kind of variety of it in the West, you know, you got the Clippers and and I don't know if there's a specific player on that team that's like hot, but I just think that they're I guess you could call it big four um, <laughs> in Westbrook, Harden, George and uh, Leonard. They're they're playing. They're hot. They're playing as a very good, cohesive unit, um, something that I I didn't really expect. Um, I kind of expected this team to be a pretty big disaster, whether that was from injuries um, or just egos. But 
for whatever reason, you just have a bunch of veteran guys that have decided, hey, maybe egos aside, which is very weird for the personalities that are on that team, and, and they're just going out there and winning basketball games. And that's a that's a very interesting sight to see. And if they can stay healthy, come playoff team, that's going to be a dangerous team. Yeah, no, absolutely. The Clippers are are definitely a great choice, and they're healthy too. That's a big thing that hasn't been going their way the past couple seasons, but I think Kawhi's only missed like two or three games. Um, same with most of their big four, really. They've been, they've been healthy, and like you said, they've completely bought into making this thing work between the four of them, which I don't think any of us, especially when they started off right after receiving Harden, it was such a rough start for, you know, those first five, six, seven games. Um, none of us really thought they might make it work, but they really are doing that right now. And yeah, I mean, they're kind of a, the West, of course, is a really loaded conference right now. I think especially, you know, compared to the East, but I think they're really right up there at the top of it. I think I'd still have Denver over them just coming off of last year's championship, but I think they're right at that next tier right underneath. So um, I think that's great. And I, I agree also, of course, with both of you, I agree about the Cavs and I'll touch a little more on them in a little bit here, but I also had the Knicks as my team that has been hot um, nine and one over their last 10 games. And it's really been a lot since acquiring OG and Anobi in a trade in those last 10 games um, that they were nine and one in, they have the number six offensive rating in the NBA during that span, the number two defensive rating during that span. Um, and that gives them the number one overall net rating in that span. And I just think OG Ananobi has been a perfect player for them. He's a great defender, um, really hard-nosed, like try-hard kind of player, not in a bad way, though. Um, and Tom Thibodeau, is he loves those kind of players. He really focuses on defense. And he's kind of shifting his way up the defensive player of the year ladder, especially getting you know more attention, being on a successful team in the Knicks and being on a big in a big market with them but he's really kind of turned I don't want to say turned it around because they weren't have it they weren't doing poorly without him but they've really gone to the next level since they've acquired OG so um that's somewhat of a little bit of a, a hot player but the one that I went with in terms of a player that's been hot recently I went with the young bull Colin Sexton out for the Utah Jazz um I've always kind of had a soft spot for him I always liked when he was a part of the Cavs um, but he's been playing really well for the Jazz recently. Over his last 10 games, he's averaging 21 and a half points per game, 6.6 assists, which is quite a lot for Sexton as a guy who's not really known as a big assist guy uh, from the guard position. So he's definitely bumped those numbers up a lot, as well as 48.4% from the field, which is pretty good, but shooting 46.9% from three, which is really, really strong during that time. So Sexton, you know, he's always been that kind of microwave player. He can really get it going in certain times. We saw that back when he was in Cleveland, but he's really showing that right now for the Jazz. And whether that means that, you know, he's going to continue staying with the Jazz as they kind of make a little bit of a, a rebuild and, and still kind of building their team to what they want to be in the future. Or I've also heard some rumors that, you know, there's some contending teams seeing what he's been doing recently that might be interested in trying to take a swing for Colin Sexton at the trade deadline. So, I mean, you can always use scoring, especially kind of for a contending role. He could really be a good six man scorer off the bench, I think. So either way, I think whatever way it goes down at the trade deadline, I think he'll, he'll continue to be successful and 
for him, it's he's just got to stay consistent with it. But as of right now, he is he is kind of on a scorcher right now. Um, all right, we'll shift from our our hot and go into our not so hot players and teams. So I'll start with you this time, Nick. Um, you want to share your your guys who have not been so hot in your opinion. Alrighty, I mean, um, I can't go with the Atlanta Hawks this time because they're six and four of their last ten, and you know they've found their way into that tenth spot. So, you know, maybe uh, I think Trey Young's <laughs> been playing pretty well, so I can't uh, I can't pick on them right now. Um, <laughs> I think honestly, one that's that we didn't really talk about last time, maybe, and I think it's just the Warriors, man. I think that's yeah. a team that you look at. And, you know, Steph's playing really well, but the rest of those guys are not. I think Wiggins is only averaging like 12 points a game. And, you know, Clay Thompson's had his struggles. Obviously, Draymond was out for a while. But this is a team that I think has a really big decision here, trade deadline-wise. And in the offseason, I, um, I think they need to blow it up, but I don't think they can blow it up. And I think that's that's a really weird spot for them um but it is not that i want them to be successful because you know Cavs warriors rivalry but when you think of in the grand scheme of things i I would at least hope that they would be in the similar spot that the lakers are right now um older team guys aren't performing the way that they're supposed to but this looks like a bottom team in the west you know other than steph and i think this will be just another down year for this team so I don't know. Only a couple of years after winning a championship, which is, or they do it last year, a couple of years, yeah. So yeah, two, two, two years ago, yeah. Yeah, two years ago. So yeah, it's just a very, very weird downturn. I think uh, age really hit this roster really fast, and I don't think that anybody really expected it to. So yeah, it's definitely been weird for them. I do think that you know Draymond's extended absence did hurt them a lot. They're just not the same team on either side of the ball, really, without Draymond. I mean, I know he's not a scorer. We see that in in the numbers, but he does work a lot with their offense. He does a lot of, you know, getting the ball to Steph when Steph's running around all these screens. He's passing him the ball. He's setting those screens a lot of times. He's always in the right place. And then on defense, he's really kind of their quarterback at the defense. And so when he's not out there, it definitely makes a huge difference. And, yeah, I mean, it's just been strange because – I think when they won that championship two years ago, I think before they won that championship, you know, they had those down years where Curry was out and things were looking pretty rough for them. And we thought the dynasty might've been over, but then they won the championship and it was like, Oh man, like they're, they're right back in it. They're right back. You know, they could still win a few more of these before, you know, this big three, essentially their time is done. And now it's just looking like, nothing's working right. Andrew Wiggins, who was really good when they won that championship, has been extremely bad for whatever reason. Um, You know, they have at least the one signing hope for them, I think, would be Jonathan Kuminga. One of their younger guys is at least playing pretty well. But it it has not been been going so well for the Warriors. And I laugh at your Hawks comment because I was listening to a podcast earlier today, and I think the Hawks have won – at least before today's games, they had won four straight games. But right before that, they had lost four straight games. And that's kind of always how it is with them, right around that 500, where even when they go on a a run one way or the other, it always seems to kind of 
balance back out. And they'll be an interesting one to watch as DeJounte Murray is in a lot of trade rumors. So we'll kind of see, you know, if they if they keep him around. And he's been, you know, playing somewhat well for them. Been actually playing a lot better offensively than he has defensively. But we'll see. We'll see what they want to do with him. There's some contenders that are trying to get in on those sweepstakes. Um, so it'll be interesting. But, yeah, it seems like the Hawks are kind of stuck in meteorocracy um, for the foreseeable future right now. So it's always it's always one that, you know, they might not be down ice cold at the list, but they're they're also probably not going to be, you know, on our hot teams anytime soon. But who knows? Maybe they'll prove us wrong. David, who do you have for your um, uh, not hot, excuse me, not hot uh, team and player? For me, personally, I'm saying Sacramento. They're 29 and 20 in their last overall, I should say. Six and four in their last 10. And presently are fifth in the West, which, don't get me wrong, isn't a bad thing. I'm not trying to say that isn't. But I think I had them a little bit higher up, like mm -hmm. around second or third. And so I guess you could just say I'm a little bit disappointed so far halfway through. Um, but it doesn't mean that, like the Cavs, doesn't mean things can't turn around and go for the worst, which I don't want to happen for the Cavs, but also can't say that it can't get better than this for Sacramento. Yeah, absolutely. I was just looking back and it looks like you had them seconds. You were really high on them coming into the season. So like you said, you know, fifth, not bad by any means, especially in a good Western conference. Um, but it, it's right now, if, if the playoffs started right now, being fifth would put them in the first round against the Nuggets, which I don't think many people would expect them to, to get out of. So they're definitely going to want to climb those standings a little bit to try to give themselves an easier matchup if there is such a thing as an easy matchup in the Western conference um, for the playoffs. So definitely they're trying to, they're trying to slide their way up, you know, six and four in the last 10, again, not terrible, but not great and not really in the West enough to continue to climb those standings. So mm -hmm. it's definitely a good, a good call out there. And then for the player, I've got Malik Monk on the actual Sacramento. I know I'm being a little bit harsh <laughs> on them, but as of right now through the season so far, he's at 14 points per game, 5.4 assists, and at about 44% field goal percentage, which for someone who's a primary shooting guard, I kind of in on a pretty decent team, I should say, I kind of expect a little bit more, especially considering he plays a position that is kind of expected to be more of a scoring position and be better from the floor. Yeah, that's definitely his role is to to shoot the ball and to, you know, that's really his catch. He's that catch and shoot kind of guy. So, yeah, you definitely want to see those numbers efficiency wise tick up a little bit there. So makes sense what you're saying there. Um, for my not hot team, I went with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, they had a pretty good start to the season. They were kind of in the top four or five in the West for first couple months of the season, um, which was definitely looking like an upgrade after they did miss the play in completely last year. But now in their last 10, they're three and seven. Um, they're 16th in offense in those last 10. And, and this is what really surprised me when I dug into it in defense, they are 30th dead last. And they're actually allowing a full four 
uh, points per possession more than the 29th ranked team, the Jazz. So um, they're not just last, they're last by a huge margin in terms of their defense. So that's really where they're, you know, hemorrhaging points on that side of the, uh, on that side of the ball, on that side of the court. And that's certainly not helping them stay in any of their games. Of course, they have a good offense. But with them just being 16th in the last 10, that's not going to be enough to make up for that terrible defense. Now, a lot of it has been um, somewhat due to injuries and missed games. Between Luka and Kyrie, out of those 10 games for each of them, they've only played a combined 11. So, you know, 11 out of 20 possible games between the two of them. Not super great in, in terms of the Mavericks. They're not a super deep team outside of those two. So, you know, if those guys can't stay healthy, that's definitely going to hurt their chances as well. But really, they just need to get some some defense in here to have a chance to compete in the Western Conference. Um, and I'll plant a seed in that. I, I wanted to, in one of my my trades that I talk about later in the episode, I wanted to try to get them a little bit of an improvement on defense. So that's what I was looking for in one of my trades that we'll talk about later. Um, in terms of my player, I went with... Uh, the newest member of the Miami Heat, which is Terry Rozier. Um, I don't want to pile on him because I know it can be difficult, you know, moving to a new team, a new situation, especially going from the Hornets, where he was really a lot more of the primary focus on offense than he is on the Heat. Um, But in his last 10 games, he's averaging 12.9 points per game. And the area where he's really struggling is just the efficiency. 36.8% from the field in total and only 16% from three point distance um, in those last 10. So those numbers are severely down from what he was doing earlier in the season. You know, I know that he is still getting accustomed to the team, but additionally Miami in their last 10 games have been two and eight. So this adjustment period, they definitely want to get figured out sooner rather than later. We never want to count them out based on, you know, the fact that they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, um, as I believe they were the eight seed that went in and won two playing games. But they brought him in really for an increased offense, an increased, uh, you know, scoring load. And, and I don't want to say they need him to be ultra efficient, but they're going to need him to be more efficient than he has been for them so far. So that's my teams and player, team and player that I have that has not been so hot recently. Um you guys have anything on any of the guys or teams we talked about before we hop to our next segment? All right, cool. We'll hop then right over to our second quarter segment, also known as our home team segment. And we alluded to this earlier, but we're all Cavalier fans on this podcast. So we're going to talk about them a little bit now during this segment. And just an update on them currently. They just won a game against the Sacramento Kings as we're recording this podcast. So they're now 32 and 16. And that win actually pushed them to be the number two seed in the East right now um, behind Boston. They're on a six game winning streak as of when we're recording this. And the big number is since the beginning of 2024. So since the calendar year changed, they're on an absolute tear. They have a record of 13 and two. And a lot of that stretch was without Garland and Mitchell, who have since returned in their last few games here. Um, but they were really putting it together even without two of their you know, core four players, so to speak. So I wanted to hear a little bit about your guys' thoughts on this recent stretch, as well as you know the season as a whole for the Cavs. And I'll start with you, David. Um, honestly, I think that it's been 
absolutely amazing that they've been able to kind of hold it together. And I, I think it tributes to the depth of the team, mostly. Obviously, they're going to lack on some things. And I think eventually if they're up against a good team who's able to exploit that, it'll come down a little bit. It'll, it'll, it'll come down. Let's just say that. And but so far, everyone on that team has done their job, has come in, put in a lot of effort from the bench and a little bit. I think Garland's struggling a little bit <clears throat> since he's come back. But overall, as a whole, I got to give credit where his credit's due and they're doing well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Nick, what do you have to add or what are your thoughts on this recent stretch for the Cavs and their season as a whole? I mean, there's not really much more I can add. I, I think I say the same thing every single time. They're, they're a really good regular season team, but we got to see it in playoff time, right? I think the natural progression for this team this year is is to win the first round of the of the playoffs and get into the second round and, and be competitive. You know, I think the biggest thing for me is this team just, I don't know if it has enough offensive power to keep up with the big dogs within, you know, the uh, East, but they play really good defense. And I think that's, that's really what helps them. And, and in the playoffs, hopefully they build a slow down the game. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell is a really good player, but we haven't really seen him be that guy in the playoffs yet, even with the Jazz. So I think they went on maybe one run there in Utah. But other than that, you know, we really haven't seen him really carry a team in the playoffs. So I really need to, if he's going to be the main scoring option and really the only guy that can go out and drop you 60, 70 points in a night, then he's going to have to be that. You know what I mean? He's going to have to go into the playoffs and be like, okay, I'm going to average close to 30, if not 30-something in the playoffs and and really take over that team and really be that guy. But I don't know. It'll be very interesting. You know, I, I want to see them do something at the trade deadline to add another 20-point-a-night a guy um, as long as they don't necessarily have to give up a bunch for it. But, you know, I think – this team is only going to be able to stay together for so long. You know, you have, I think Donovan's got three years left. You know, Jared Allen only has three years left. Like, you're going to have to give Mobley money soon. So this team only has so much time before you have to start making moves cap-wise. And you got to make it count. And you got to put yourself in a position to be able to beat the Celtics, to be able to beat the Bucks. Um, especially in a time right now where the 76ers look like there's an opening for somebody to to kind of take over their spot with Joel and beat out. Yeah, definitely. I think you definitely make some good points there. And, you know, like you said, it's like, yes, we can enjoy the regular season success. And um, I tend to like to do that, kind of stay in the moment for a little bit here, but we're never going to know how this team will play in the playoffs until they get there. Ultimately, like it's not, it's not the same atmosphere, regular season. The intensity is not the same. We saw that a little bit last year. Um, but one thing I'll say is, you know, continuing to to be on a really, really good run in the regular season is going to help them tremendously when it comes around for the playoffs. You know, for example, a couple of weeks ago, 
they were right around that four or five seed right in there with the Knicks. You know, if the season would have ended then, we would have had a four or five matchup with the Knicks. Who knows how that goes, but we all know how that went last year, right? Um, but if you look at it, if the season were to end right now today, um, and not counting, you know, what would happen in the play-in game, but they would be going up against the Magic, who are, you know, a fun young team, but I think I would be pretty confident in the Cavs to be able to, to, be able to beat the Magic in that matchup. So I think the goal for them right now should be continuing to, of course, get Garland and Mobley back integrated into the team on both sides of the ball. Um, but try to be able to keep keep racking up these wins and continuing to stay high in the standings so that they can avoid a first round matchup against, you know, the Knicks or the Bucks or, you know, even would probably want to try to stay away from the Pacers because they haven't had great luck against them this regular season. So um, but I think I think at the same time, um, I think their offense has been improved a lot this year. I think. They've, they've added that three-point shooting that really makes a difference for them. And even more than just actually, they're, they're taking so many more three-point shots, which is kind of the way that the NBA has gone recently. The Celtics, you know, that's how they're very successful in offense. They take a lot of three-point shots. The Cavs are starting to do that this year. And right now they're making a lot of them, which is good. Um, but I think they even have guys that the defense are going to respect from three and you can't leave them, which is what we saw kind of in the playoffs last year, you know, whether it was a Kuro, Jetty Osman, um, or, you know, Lamar Stevens, the defense just weren't guarding those guys from three point range. And I think once the playoffs come around, you know, at this point, you have to respect guys like Max Struess, guys like Georges Niang, guys like Sam Merrill at this point from three point land. So, I think that's a that's a huge key piece for them and continuing to build that. I'm honestly myself okay if they don't make any moves at the trade deadline because I don't know that there's that guy out there that they can get without giving up too much, you know, like you said, Nick. So and and honestly, the way I'm kind of thinking about it, and I've heard other people say this, you know, across social media and stuff. Garland and Mobley were out for so long that it's kind of like their trade deadline pickups are getting those two guys back and, and starting to ramp up their minutes again. Um, and, you know, they played well without them, but ultimately those guys are really talented. So being able to bring them back in the fold does add more talent to the team as a whole. And like you said, David Garland did struggle a little bit. I will say he was with his fractured jaw. I know he was on a liquid diet for like, I don't know how many weeks and stuff like that. Um, he couldn't because his jaw was wired shut as someone who's been on a liquid diet. I can't imagine going back to playing NBA basketball like a couple weeks later. So I'm sure it's just like, you know, he's probably got to get his nutrition back up, those kind of things to be able to play with the same energy and everything, but seeming to be slowly building that type of stuff back up. Um, so, you know, as they continue to, to get more minutes, get more playing time, hopefully they'll, the Cavs will continue this good streak that they're on because, you know, I think we all want to see them be successful. And then once we get to the playoffs, you know, see where they can go from there. I, I still want to have them, you know, as the top contender in the Eastern Conference. I still think Boston is is far and away ahead of kind of the whole pack at this point. But I, I'm after this recent stretch, I'm much more confident than I was, you know, at the beginning of the season on, you know, their playoff prospects, so to speak. All right. Anything else that you guys have on the Cavs before we move into our third quarter segment? All right. 
And we will move right into our third course segment. We have two main topics we're going to discuss here, but we will start with talking about the trade deadline. The trade deadline is in three days as of the time we are recording this. So I asked the guys to kind of put together a, a trade or two or even just, you know, a guy that they'd like to see move teams during this trade deadline. So you guys can kind of take it however you want to go here with this, but kind of just wanted to hear what, what are some things you guys would like to see happen during this trade deadline? So I'll start with you on this one, Nick. Um, I have three maybe potential moves. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one I'll go with is uh, the Hawks and Knicks. Um, I can't take full credit for this one. There's been a lot of buzz around DeJounte Murray maybe going to the Knicks. Um, so I kind of just worked up like, a little trade with them. Basically, Jasante Murray ends up on the Knicks, and then the Hawks end up with uh, Evan Fournier, and then a young guy, I cannot pronounce his last name, but it's going to be like Ryan Archanducano, maybe? Um, Archanducano. There you go. I knew you would know how to pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the Hawks also end up with a first and three seconds. I think that's a pretty fair deal i think for the most part you're kind of just wanting to get the picks out of that if you're the hawks but i just don't think they're going to get the return in which they gave up for Dejounte murray um but i do think you could get a first and maybe three or four seconds out of them um and then getting a guy like evan fournier it's not going to be the same but it'll at least give you like the opportunity to have a guy that can play next to um trey young and maybe trey young can go back to being a little bit more of that ball dominant um guard that we've seen him be kind of successful with in the past um I know that you know this team is in the play-in spot right now but this is still very much a team that needs to make adjustments around Trey Young and build around him and this is not a team that's going to win a championship anytime soon with this roster so they got to make some moves um the second one is with the Cavs and the Hornets um I'm still big on them bringing in a score I'm not like super big on, I guess, the character of this guy, but I think hopefully he's learned his lesson. He's a little bit better. Um, but he is a guy that's a 20 point night scorer, right? That's an, we need another guy like that, a third guy on the team. Um, and I say this, we need a wing as well. So bringing in Bridges, um, I think getting Bridges, Mark Williams, he's a young uh, center. Um, double double a night guy that would give us three double double a night guys at the big man position between Mobley, Allen, and Williams. Um, and then we would give up Nang, Merrill, and a first and maybe a second or two seconds to the Hornets. I think that would be a pretty fair trade. Um, in that the Hornets would kind of get some veteran presence there, um, and a pick for um Bridges, and then they wouldn't have to necessarily pay them. That would kind of be our problem in the offseason but he would kind of be an assassin for hire at that point I think getting a guy in the wing that can play defense and give you 20 points a night um, is going to be very big trying to go up against a guy like Jason Tatum and trying to go up against Giannis and Damian Lillard Um, I think you need a guy like that and then kind of my big one which I have on my computer screen here because it's I'm not going to write it down because it's a lot Um, but it's a three-team trade I think I made the comment earlier that I don't know if the Warriors can really blow up their team or if they want to. Um, but I kind of wanted, I was trying to have some fun with them actually blowing up their team. Um, 
and maybe even staying a little bit competitive as well, too, which is going to sound kind of crazy. <laughs> but basically, it's going to be a three-team trade between the Warriors, the Mavericks, and the Pistons. Um, I'll start with the Pistons. The Pistons are going to end up with Chris Paul and Dario Saric. And for their troubles of taking on Chris Paul, <laughs> they're going to end up with a first-round draft pick and three second-round draft picks. Um, so basically just a salary dump there. Um, Chris Paul can walk away after this year. Dario Saric is only on a one-year deal. So the Pistons end up with some draft capital, um, and it's not going to hurt them anything because it's not like they're going to be competitive this year at all. But at the same time, Chris Paul can be a guy maybe in that locker room that can be a veteran presence for Cade Cunningham, maybe give him some advice, help him out, um, and do do that for them. So they're kind of getting benefited in, in two different facets there. The Mavericks are going to end up with Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green. I think as a team, the Mavericks have to make a push. I think that's another team where you look at, hey, they haven't really gone like all, all in. Um, and I think that this would be a perfect opportunity for them. They'd get a, you know, a guy in Draymond Green who is really good defensively, which I think they need. And they'd get a guy in Andrew Wiggins who I just don't know if they've really utilized him offensively the way he needs to be utilized this year. Um, and him being like that third option scoring wise next to Kyrie and Luca will give them an, you know, an opportunity to use him differently. And I think having another wing guy that can play defense um, will help that team out as well in the playoffs when you go up against like a team like the Clippers um, and then even maybe a team in the Nuggets give you a little bit more size on the wing there. Um, and then the Warriors pretty much just end up with every old veteran that you can from both of those rosters. So they end up with Boban. Um, Joe Harris, Grant Williams, uh, Rashawn Holmes, Max Kleber. Uh, you you reunite the, the Curry brothers. They get Seth, um, and then they get a first-round draft pick from the Pistons there. So, um, like I said, I think ultimately they need to kind of blow up that team, but I don't know if you're interested in blowing up the team when you still have Steph. It's kind of like the LeBron thing. Mm -hmm. You got to put a team around them that can be competitive. I think – with that many like decent role players, um, maybe Steph can drag them to a play-in, stay competitive. That'd be the question. I left them with Kaminga. I think Kaminga's a really good option next to Steph, and I think you kind of look at that as being your one-two punch going forward and then hope that maybe Clay figures it out by the playoffs and he could at least turn into maybe like an 18 20 point a night guy for you in the playoffs and i think with that much veteran presence that could be a very like weirdly dangerous team going into the playoffs with steph curry all right um i have some thoughts on those but david do you have any thoughts on any of those trades that nick mentioned there I mean, I don't blame him for what he's saying at all. Um, I, it's completely understandable. Um, and I guess you could say my dream shot, if anything, for the Cavs would try and get Laurie Markkinen back. Again, dream shot, like I said. So, and then I've heard rumors. I don't know how true they are. But for teams to get Isaac Okoro mm. as well, 
Um, I was actually just looking up from the Akron Beacon Journal. Uh, some teams that might be interested are the Knicks, Hawks, Pacers, Suns, and Bucks uh, for him. So I don't know what that all in, would entail. Don't get me wrong. He has shown not a whole lot of improvement, but definitely a step up from what he's had done or what he has had done before. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> in English is tough, okay? It is. It is. I'll give it to you. There's a reason why it's the second hardest language to learn in the world. Um, <laughs> so those would be my two main things. Um, so, yeah. All right. All right. Um, yeah. So the first one. Uh, you know, you talk about the Hawks getting Fournier and Archie Diakno. Knicks get DeJounte Murray. I like that. I think that's interesting. I mean, I don't like that as a Cavs fan with the Knicks getting more both no. firepower and strong defense. Um, I mean, I think that could be another case where Murray was really known for his defense before he came to Atlanta. Hasn't really played good defense in Atlanta. But I think if he gets to New York with all those guys they have and with Tom Thibodeau, I think he'd probably turn back into a defensive monster immediately so that would be scary but if the Knicks were able to pull it off I think they would love that um the big one the Cavs Hornets I just I don't love it myself um not even for you know personally I wouldn't like it like you said for the character aspect but in in just terms of just on the court stuff I think um I think Niang and Merrill have been so important to what I was talking about earlier with the Cavs just having those three point that three point shooting and even just threat of three point shooting. Now, not that, you know, Bridges is a bad three point shooter. Um, but I also think like, ultimately I'd prefer to keep the ball in, in Donovan Mitchell and then Darius Garland's hands kind of going forward. Um, and, you know, I think Bridges has kind of been a lot of a sh shot chucker almost a little bit in, in Charlotte. Um, and I, I just don't know how well it would, would mesh with the team as well as, you know, I think the Cavs have kind of what I was mentioning earlier also why I don't really think they need to make any moves. I think they have an incredible team chemistry right now, and I just don't want to mess that up in any way. Um, and that's nothing against, you know, Bridges or Williams specifically. I just think the guys that are there right now get along so well. I mean, if you if you, you know, look at their pictures they take every night with that chain and stuff, or if you even just like the Cavs do a lot of good job of posting a lot of like, um, you know, kind of behind the scenes footage on their YouTube pages and stuff, you can tell that these guys really genuinely, you know, are friends and enjoy each other's company. And I think that leads to the success that they're playing with on the floor. So I personally don't love that one, but can't understand where you're, where you're coming from on that. Um, he was just like the only one that I looked yeah. at that was like affordable, I think. Um, and I see what you're saying with the, the shot chucking, but I think him getting there in that system, I think they'll be able to rein that in, right? In yeah. Charlotte, I think it's kind of just do whatever. Yeah. Because they know yeah. they're not going to be competitive. <laughs> um, but I think with more structure, with a clear like, hey, this is your defined role, I think really utilizing him more defensively because of his size and his length and his ability to, you know, yeah. hopefully guard those guys. Cause we don't have anybody that can really guard Tatum or, you know, 
maybe even Jalen Brown. Like, we just don't have a guy like that. And I think, you know, that's – Okoro could be that guy, but he's very young, you know what I mean? So I think at the end of the day, like, being able to get somebody who's been in the league for – a little bit that not only can play def defense that way, but like I said, also get you 20 points a night. Mm -hmm. I think to me, that was something big. And then also getting another big man that could have a double double for you. Um, I think just is super important. You know what I mean? Even if it's only 10 and 10, that, that helps out, that gives you more rebounds, more opportunities. Um, so that's just where I was at with that. Like, it, like I said, the character thing is kind of what it is. <laughs> um, but like, I just don't think Laurie Markkinen, we're just not going to be able to get him back. The Jazz, yeah. I think, like the young core that they have, um, and they're okay with building around it. And you look at, like, you're not getting Wiggins because I just don't know if you have the capital to give it up. And, you know, you're not getting B.I. because you don't have the capital to give that up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> get that up. So, And then I just don't know what the other bridges from the Nets. I looked at him too, but, again, I just don't know if they're wanting to give him up either and you yeah. have to give up more than what you really want to, so. Yeah, it would be it would it would take a lot to get him for sure uh, to get Mikhail. But I think uh, the defense question I think can be a combination, and, and they're both young, so it's it's always tough. But I think it can be a combination of Okoro and honestly Mobley. I know Mobley plays a lot close to the basket, but he he's a good he's a good perimeter defender. Um, I think they don't show him that much in that way during the regular season because they don't want to tax him too much. Um, but I, I think like you know, against guys like Jalen Brown, we've seen Okoro play really well against like Damian Lillard so far this season, those young guards. I think those guys kind of get that Okoro, you know, assignment. And then I think some of those guys a little bit bigger, a little stronger, Jason Tatum, um, you know, even Giannis to some extent, although I think Jared Allen would, would play some role on him too, um, would get the, would be where Mobley would kind of come into the factor. But um yeah, they're still young, so it's it's you never quite know, especially with Mobley coming back for injury. But luckily, he's looked pretty good coming right back into the fold. So, um, and I liked I liked your last one as well. You know, I don't know how realistic it is. Like you said, I don't think the Warriors are going to trade Draymond Green. I I you know I do think that I don't know. I mean, maybe Steph has gotten tired with his antics, but I do think they still, you know, he still feels really close to Draymond. I think he still feels that they play really well together. And ultimately they want to, I think, keep Steph happy and keep him around for the long run. Um, but I like the aspect of the Pistons getting Chris Paul in there. I don't know how happy he'd be going, getting shipped off to Detroit, but um, he'd be great to be that veteran mentor like you talked about. And then getting a couple first and second round picks would be helpful for them. Um, I like Wiggins and Draymond to the Mavericks, both play good defense. Um, you know, maybe a change of scenery could help Wiggins kind of get back, like you said, to some of that offensive firepower he was showing a little bit more so back in their championship run. And then the Warriors, you know, I think if I think they get a good return for what they give up in this in this case, you know, Bogdanovich can shoot well, Joe Harris can shoot, uh, Grant Williams, solid defender. Of course, Seth Curry and Steph would be really fun, but you know, Seth. Seth's a good shooter as well. And then, like you said, they can kind of shift their focus a little bit to putting a little bit more responsibility on Kuminga. Um, the only thing I'd worried about a little bit would be kind of their front court size in terms of that. I, th I think they'd probably get Looney playing a lot more like he like he was in the past couple seasons, more than he's been playing recently. But yeah, I mean, I like that. I think that's a good 
all around trade for, you know, those three teams. And again, it's, I don't think they're going to trade Draymond, but I would like if, if they were, I think this would be a good destination, um, you know, getting into the Mavericks because they desperately need that defense. Like we, like we mentioned. So I like it. I like the creativity. Um, I'll go ahead and throw in some of mine here. I had two uh, and I alluded to this one, one earlier. Um, and I've wanted to try to get the Mavericks some defense as well. Um, plus kind of just a, a, you know, third guy that can be there, of course, with playing off of Kyrie and Luca, but also, you know, if, if one of them were to be hurt going forward, they've had some, both had some small injury issues this year. Um, but I, I went ahead and sent Mikael Bridges from the Brooklyn Nets over to the Mavericks. Um, and in exchange for that, um, three players, it kind of takes a little bit to make the, the cap space work. So the Nets are going to get back Rashawn Holmes, Maxi Kleba, and then Jaden Hardy, who's the kind of young piece that, you know, they might be interested in. He's shown some potential uh, scoring-wise off the bench for Dallas. And then they're going to get also – 2025 first round pick and 2027 first round pick. So those are kind of Hardy and those two picks are kind of their big return for it. So um, yeah, I wanted to get the Mavericks a little bit more defense. Um, Mikel also, you know, played very well when he was in that third offensive role kind of with the Suns back in the day. Um, so he can kind of shift back into that role a little bit. And, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to see the same thing happen to Luca that happened to LeBron all those years in Cleveland. I, I want him to be able to get a successful team around him. Um, I want him to be able to make it work with the Mavericks. So I think this would be a good step in, you know, building that team more for him long-term as well. And then the second trade that I had, um, this one I, I wanted to have a little fun with. I wanted, uh, you know, the Bulls to blow it up a little bit. Fortunately, Zach Levine just got surgery, so I don't think he's going to get traded anytime soon. Um, but the, the one I thought was most fun would be an Alex Caruso trade. Um, and I, I have him returning home and re not home, but returning and reuniting with the Los Angeles Lakers in this trade, going back with LeBron and AD. Um, and in that trade, uh, the Bulls will be getting back Gabe Vincent, uh, Jalen hood Shafino, who was the Lakers' first-round draft pick this year. Um, and then they would get back a 2025 first round pick and a 2028 first round pick. Both of those, however, would be top five protected. So, you know, if the Lakers were to really tank and those would go in the top five, um, they, they, the Lakers would keep that pick. So um, those are my two just kind of, again, don't know how realistic either one of them are. I'm not a super big trade expert or, you know, cap expert or anything like that but i thought those ones were were kind of fun and both teams are definitely trying to catapult themselves back up a little bit so um any thoughts from you guys on either of those two hey maybe if this thing takes off maybe you can be hey there we go prediction expert <laughs> there we go i'll spend all day just building fake trades on the uh the trade machine what a life <laughs> yeah. I, I like the Mavs one I do think they need like a guy that can be their main defender um, where they can be like hey just go guard the best guy on the other team Yeah. because um, I do think like Luca and I just, Luca you just watch him play and he does not like to play defense so <laughs> I don't know what well, it he is. does so much for them offensively like yeah. it's weird to ask him to do it all on both sides of the floor 
Yeah, but it's very, like, I mean, I guess that's fair. Like, him and Kyrie averaging 30 points pretty much a night. But I, I don't know. It's very, like, you, you, need, you need a guy that can basically come in and play defense, and then he'll also be able to get you, you know, maybe close to 20 points a night too. I know those the two guys are going to, you know, score most of the points, but he he's going to be able to average at least 16 to 18 points a night for yeah. you with the amount of touches that he's going to have. And he's going to be able to guard the other team's best player. So I think that's like, that's a big move. They, they need a, they need to make a move like that, whether that's bridges, whether that's, um, you know, Wiggins, whether they figure out a way to go get Laurie marketing, um, like, they they need a guy like that for them um that gives them you know some size and some you know defensive prowess on the wing the the Alex Caruso one though that's a lot to give up for Alex Caruso <laughs> two firsts I mean, and two players like i the, i get the two players and maybe they give up a second but i don't know i don't know about two firsts for Alex Caruso like i just don't think he's he's good but he's not like I get yeah. that. I get that. That's like a that's like a DeJounte Murray package. Like if they gave up two players and two firsts for DeJounte Murray, I'd be like, okay. But Alex Caruso, that was like I do I do like it. I think that'd be cool if he went back. Um, you know, giving them him and Austin Reeves gives them two guys that just like that are just workhorses that have the that dog in them. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. that's that's a big thing when it comes towards playoff time. Like you don't necessarily need somebody who's going to drop you 30 points because you have LeBron and AD, but the more guys that you have that just have that fight in them um, and are willing to give it all, you know, I go back to that, you know, Matthew Della against Steph Curry in, in the finals, like he almost died. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the more guys you can have like that on your team, I think that's, that just is, it, is just a recipe for success. So I, I do like the idea. I just think it was a little, I have a little much to give up for. <laughs> yeah, looking at it now, I think I think two firsts, even if they're protected, is probably a lot. But I think the reason I was thinking that is because I know I've heard like, you know, across social media and different podcasts and stuff. I know the Bulls' asking price is high for Alex Crusoe. So, um, but yeah, even even then, that's that's if they like if they were to package him and um. Like Demar Derozan, yeah, for a package like that, and the Lakers were able to get a hold of that. Um, you know, obviously you'd have to make the money work, but right. I think right. that 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 then to me would be worth it for at least for the Lakers because you add, mm-hmm. you know, those two guys into your start. You basically at least Derozan's in your starting lineup, and Crusoe's yeah. playing, you know, twenty plus minutes a night. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that would be a package for those two. Maybe you add like a second round pick, or and then another player will have to be in it, but. That would be a pretty solid package, I think. I I wouldn't hate that. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about doing a DeRozan the Lakers trade too, but I was like, I'll I'll have fun with the Caruso one. Yeah. So all right, all right. Um, and then the second kind of main topic we have is I just wanted to, you know, they did announce, of course, the starters and the reserves um for the all-star game. So for each conference, I was just gonna ask you guys um just your thoughts in terms of like, you know, did they get this right? Um, did you feel there was any big snubs and then was there any kind of honorable mentions that, you know, you don't think should have made it, but should get some, some love here. So and we'll start with the Eastern conference here. You know, the starters, of course, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, um, who will likely need a, an injury replacement, um, Jason Tatum, Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard, and then down to the reserves, Bam Adebayo, Paolo Bancaro, 
Jalen Brown, Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Maxey, Donovan Mitchell, and Julius Randle. So I will start with you, Nick. Um, just your thoughts. You know, did they get it right? Any snubs? Any honorable mentions? Want to hear your thoughts on it? Um, I think, like, I don't know. It it's tough because when you like look at everything, you're like, I I don't hate like the list. You know what I mean? I think mm -hmm. there's probably three guys that you could look at. Um, obviously Fox. I think there's an argument that you could put him in there. Um, I like the way that Markin has been playing this season. I think he probably, you know, could deserve a spot. Um, and then I think Trey Young could deserve a spot as well, too. So I think, um, but who you put them over, you know what I mean? That's, that's, a, that's yeah. a tough question. You know, I, I have in here, like maybe Fox over Paul George. Um, I think Darren Fox has played a little bit better than Paul George this year, but again, like, you know, look at where the Clippers are right now and look what mm -hmm. they've been doing. You know what I mean? So that's that's a hard one. You know, I have marketing over Towns. I think very they're very similar stat-wise. Um, but again, look at where the Timberwolves are. Uh, so there's that, you know, that conversation there. And then I, I, I said maybe Young over Damian Lillard. I think Trey Young has played at least better stats than Damian Lillard this year. Um, and he's been the main dude for his team. So I think without him, the Hawks are probably the worst team in the East. Um, so I think that, that, you know, you have those conversations there, but again, I think that's, those are probably my three that I would look at that I wouldn't say necessarily snubbed, but you can make a really good argument that they could be in, in the, in the all-star game um, or all-star festivities. Eh, <laughs> um, the all-star festivities, I would say, but um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I realized I, I jumped to the question before I even named the West. So West starters, LeBron James, Luka Doncic, Kevin Durant, Shea Gildas-Alexander, and Nikola Jokic. Reserves, Devin Booker, Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, Anthony Edwards, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Carl Anthony Towns. Um, David, did you have any other, any thoughts, um, again, on, on these teams? Did they get it right? Snubs? And then, you know, any honorable mentions? Anything you want to basically share on it? Um. I don't think – I think they, for the most part, got it right because I think that, like Nick kind of mentioned or at least alluded to, it, if you do choose anyone over someone else, it's more at the fact that it's um, splitting hairs, basically. Um, so it it could go any, any which way. Um, I guess the only person that I could say would get – honorable mention uh if he's not already in the kind of like the rookie or sophomore festivities that most all-star games do uh have whether it's baseball football basketball whatever um would be victor Wembanyama at some point yeah he's been, Even he's if he's, been very good <laughs> i mean the guy has had 20 points so Per game, ten rebounds, uh, three point two assists, and is at forty six percent field goal percentage, which for a center isn't actually too bad. Um, and so that's why he's not really a snub, but more than more just an honorable mention if he's not already in the uh, like freshman sophomore uh, games. 
Yes, yes, he is in the Rising Stars games, which they changed it, and so it's like a mini tournament now. Um, so there's like a bunch of players from freshman and sophomore, and then they have like some G League players in there, and they have like four different uh, like legends, I guess, so to speak. I think a lot of them are related to like Indiana, you know, being that the All Star Game is there, and then they like draft their teams and do a do a little mini tournament. So he will be a part of that, but definitely agree with giving him at least an honorable mention here. He's also leading the league in blocks per game, which yeah, makes sense for a guy that's seven foot four, almost an eight foot wingspan, but he's also a rookie. Like <laughs> um, I know, you know, the hype is there, but he's living up to it right now. And I think we all kind of have to appreciate that. But um, also let's be honest here. He's the best player on probably the worst team in the league. So you kind of have to, yes, he's seven foot four and so far is living up to the hype, but also consider the fact that not many people around him are actually that good. Yeah. I'm not trying to degrade the guy or anything. No, that's let's be realistic a little bit. That's for there's also like so many things I just see on Twitter and stuff where there's so many times too where he gets open or like he clearly has a mismatch on a smaller player and his teammates just don't find a way to get in the ball. Um, and that's like, they don't really have a pure point guard by any means on their team and they're a young team. So um, not entirely their fault, but you know, if you were to have some guy, you know, just for throwing out names, like if he had like a, you know, Chris Paul or Mike Conley or Kyle Lowry of old, like he could be doing even more right now as a rookie, but um so I think that's a good, I think that's a good honorable mention. Um, in terms of the Eastern Conference, I think I agree with you, Nick. I think I would put in Trey Young and probably over Damian Lillard. Um, obviously he's a starter here, but a lot of that is due to the fan voting. Um, you know, being that he's a very popular player in the league. He hasn't had a bad season by any means, but hasn't really been living up to his past couple years and some of his strongest seasons in Portland. Um so yeah, I think I would I would put Trey Young in. I heard a stat, and it's something like I think Trey Young is averaging um, it's like twenty five plus and and over ten assists, and the stat was like he's only the second player to average over twenty five points and ten assists and not be an All Star, and then the follow up to that was and the first player was Trey Young last year, <laughs> so it's like I understand the team struggles and you know. People may not love his style of play. Of course, he doesn't play any defense at all, so that may factor into it. But he is a very, very strong player, and he's not just scoring, but he's getting his teammates involved, running the offense really well. So I think I would throw him in there as well. Um, I would love to give an honorable mention to Jared Allen just for the – not for the fact of you know that he should be in there, but just an honorable mention that he's kind of on the outside looking in. He played very, very well while Evan Mobley was out. Um, I think he had a, I think he, yeah, he broke LeBron James' streak of most consecutive double doubles for a Cavs player, which anytime you're breaking any one of LeBron James' streak, I think is pretty impressive. Um, so I was very impressed with him as well. Otherwise, I think they pretty much got it right in the East. Um, and then, like you said, Nick, too, I think not having one of the Kings in there is, is really tough. You know, whether that's Jaron Fox or DeMontis Simotis, I think it's tough because I think like Fox is a I do think Fox is the best player on the Kings, but just looking at like their stats, 
so far this year, I think Sabonis has had, I don't know, just better, better stats looking at it that way. Um, so I would probably put him in over Carl Anthony Towns myself. Again, Towns had a really good year, um, but Sabonis is second in the NBA right now in triple doubles. Again, we talk about him kind of being that light version of Jokic to an extent, and he's doing that right now for the Kings. They are, although not all the way up at the top of the standings, still in the fifth seed, um, so still doing very well. Um, and then, of course, I would I would give De'Aaron Fox definitely an honorable mention. And I'd, I'd even give Rudy Gobert a nice honorable mention spot as well. He's been obviously not the most exciting player, so I see why he's not in the All-Star game, but he's been extremely strong defensively anchoring that number one defense in the league for the Timberwolves, um, really kind of leading the pack in terms of their turnaround this year, you know, from kind of disappointing last year to now right now being tied for the one seed in the West 50 games through the season. So I'd give him an honorable shout out as well. Um, Anything else on, on all-star before we head into our last segment? All right. All right. So, um, our last segment is our game time segment, and this is where we talk about our opinions on the best game of the last few weeks since we recorded last and what game we're most excited to watch in the upcoming two weeks. Um, so the game that I picked for the best game in the last two weeks um, was the LA Lakers beating the Golden State Warriors 145 to 144 in double overtime on January 27th. It was a Sunday evening game on ABC primetime. And I put in my, uh, I, I was making some notes during this game just cause I thought I might want to come back and talk about it on the podcast. And at the end I put, you know, despite the fact that these two teams are struggling this season, to me, it was still the like best game to watch this whole season. So far it was a, it was a classic LeBron versus Curry duel. Curry had 46 points, seven assists and three rebounds. LeBron ended up outdueling him, outlasting him in double overtime with 36 points, 20 rebounds, and 12 assists, which is just insane. Um, And it was a really entertaining game, of course, going to to double overtime um, and going right down to the wire. So I really enjoyed that game. Um, Did you guys have any thoughts either on this game, these teams, or another game that you really enjoyed watching recently? Oh, uh, I mean, yeah. let's. I mean, that is a. How do I phrase this? That's obviously a really exciting game, considering that it went two overtimes between LeBron and the Golden State Warriors, mm-hmm. and the rivalry that he basically has with that team pretty much ever since he rejoined the Cavs, basically. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And that was just a big story piece of it, too, where, you know, if you if you kind of just watching the game out of context, not looking at the standings or you're not. I, I imagine someone just watching that game and not really knowing what those two teams have been up to. I think they would think it was a battle, you know, still of two of the top teams in the NBA, which they're not right now. Um, but that game certainly lives up to the hype, I would say. Yeah, I I think you could go with that one, or I think the other one, you know, you look at uh, AD and LeBron set out against the Celtics, and mm. basically everybody else walks into the Celtics' home uh, court there and 
gives him a little spanking. So I think that's, uh, you know, Austin Reeves dropping 30. Sometimes I feel like you look at those and you're like, how how could you be, you know, in a situation where you need a win so bad and you sit both of your best players? Mm-hmm. And I sometimes feel like those things are done on purpose. I think they were all sat down and they said, hey, you better go out there and do your shit. Like, get your <laughs> shit together. Like, go out there, ball out, show us who still wants to be here. Um, show us that you want to win. Show us that you want to win a championship. I think that's that's the biggest thing. And I think that game was a was a get right game. I mean, they've mm-hmm. they've pretty much won, I think, two or three in a row now. So I think for them, you know, the the role players being able to go out there and dominate like that shows, hey, we can do this. We can beat anybody. Um, we just gotta give it our all every single time. And and I just don't know if they were just the the high of the in season tournament just for whatever reason mentally screwed this team, but hopefully they're back on track now. And I think that was probably for me the game of the past couple weeks just because it hopefully pushed that team in a direction to where they can be what they're supposed to be, what we thought they were going to be from the beginning of the season. Yeah, that's a, that's a great shout out too. That was, that was a crazy game. Cause I wasn't even like, I saw it was on and I was like, Oh, this is going to be really cool. And then I saw you know, LeBron and 80 were sitting out. I'm like, oh, you know, probably not really going to watch this. And then um, I, yeah, I looked at, I, I don't remember if it was like second quarter or something like that. And it was you know close. And I saw the Lakers doing really like, well, and I turned it on and I was like, man, I, yeah, some, then is just so weird in that way sometimes where like those things can happen and guys can just get hot easily. But Austin Reese literally was some of his shots were looking like Steph Curry. Like they were long distance threes and he was just like cashing them. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this is crazy right now. But yeah, I think it's a good point. And I think, I think we have seen some, some sort of shift in mentality or, you know, focus or whatever it is just around that time of that game, they've seemed to be, little bit sharper um moving forward and this was right around that time last year after making a couple moves we'll see if they make any moves at the trade deadline this year i'd imagine they probably will at least do something but this was right around that time last year you know where they really started to pick up steam and you know started to be able to build momentum for what eventually led them to the western conference finals so it's you know maybe they're also seeing right around this time of the year they're like hey you know, we, we did this last year, you know, we're just starting to round into form. We can really get to playing our best at the right time when it comes to, you know, April, May, potentially June, if they end up going that far. So yeah, that was a, that was a very fun game though, just because I, I think myself and everyone expected it to just be a big Celtics blowout and it really went completely the opposite direction. So yeah, that was a good one. Um, next we have going the most exciting game that we're looking forward to in the upcoming few weeks here. Um, and there was a couple that I was looking at. I did look at, um, I think it's coming up actually tomorrow, Suns versus Bucks as a finals rematch from a couple of years ago. Now it's, it's very interesting because both teams are very different from that time a couple of years ago, and they're both somewhat struggling a little bit, although they're both very star studded. So I was interested in that game. But I think for me, this is a little bit of a cop-out answer, but the most exciting game 
in the next few weeks for me is is the All-Star game that's coming up on February 18th on TNT. We're back to that East versus West format. And a lot of stars have been making comments and talking about, you know, how they want to make the game more competitive this year. And Tyrese Halliburton was one last year. He was like, it was my first all-star game and, you know, nobody was playing hard and I want, you know, I want it to be competitive. I want to put on a show for the fans, especially being that it's an indie and stuff. So we'll see, you know, we'll see if it, if it gets some competitive nature back to it. Either way, I think it'll be entertaining. There was even some years, a couple of years back where it was like, a half court shootout between Curry and Dame for a while where, yeah, that's not the most like exciting competitive game, but it, it still was pretty entertaining. So um, I think it'll be, I think it'll be fun and I think it'll be good. Of course, to see the stars, of the NBA just balling out for all of us to see. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on the all-star game or any other games that you're looking forward to in the next you know few weeks here. Uh, if anything, maybe on the 14th, the Lakers versus Utah, see some of the stars play, I guess, the, I don't want to say up-and-coming guys, considering most of those guys have been around for a little while, like Colin Sexton and Laurie Markkinen, but the more up-and-coming team, I guess mm-hmm. you could, I guess you could phrase it. Yeah. And they're still young, especially compared to the Lakers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Any other games you guys shout out before we... Um, I think for me, I'll probably just be, you know, watching the Spurs and Victor Wembanyama. They have a, a fun little stretch here where they're going to play some, you know, interesting matchups. And I think there was a stat that I saw that in Rudy Gobert's defensive player, um, when he won defensive player of the year, um, one of the times that when when Banyama already has as many blocks as he oh i saw that too yeah yeah and like total season it's just a very he's just a very interesting player and i think listen we still have half a season to go but a lot of the concerns were can he stay healthy can he be competitive you know is he is are the skills going to translate and i think we can safely say that they are translating right the health does not seem to be you know an issue knock on wood right now obviously mm-hmm. careers are long and things happen but you know he seems to have a good understanding of his body and what he can do and can't do and he has a really good knack for defense i think yeah. that's something that you know, is really going to help him be a staple in this league is not only can he kind of score from wherever he wants, but defensively he is already one of the best big man defensive players in the league. You know, I think there's an argument for him to be in the defensive player of the year conversation as a rookie. And that's just something that I don't think we've seen for a really long time. Um, and I think he and others who are that 6'11 to whatever size he is, 7'7 <laughs> seven, seven, that they joke about. But I think we're in we're in a very much a, a big man league and and it's but it's not a back to the basket. I'm gonna dunk the crap out of the basketball mm-hmm. on you, big man league. It's a I'll pull up and shoot a three, I'll Euro step around you, I'll you know, dunk it on you. it doesn't matter. They'll do everything. And they're gonna block the ball into the you know, rafters, like it's just a, <laughs> it's a very interesting time. And, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm excited to kind of watch him and, and see him in, in all-star weekend. And 
Um, it'll be fun. Yeah, he is so he is so entertaining to watch. Just every time I watch him, it's like there's a couple, there's a handful of like things where I just like am shocked. Like, how did he do that? You know, whether it's just, you know, recovering like he blocks three point shots a lot, too. This is something like Anthony Davis does. But Victor Wimbanyama, it's like he looks like he's not even close to a guy. And then somehow he ends up blocking their three point shot. It's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just so, so fun to watch. And this is what I'll say too. Like I think, you know, as as a country, we have. I don't know if we've done like the youth justice in development for basketball. I think we need to look at what they're doing in other countries, um, because the league. When you look at a lot of the best players in the league, it's not. it's not American players anymore. I mean, mm -hmm. you have Luka and Jokic and Embiid and Wimbanyama. Um, you know, I, th that's just to name a few, but I mean, those guys right now, you could argue that's four of your top 10, top 15 players in the league. Like, you know, depending on where you want to put Wimbanyama, I know he's just a rookie, but he's playing out of his mind. So I mm -hmm. think you, you really look at that and you're like, those are guys that come from overseas and that's just four of them. Um, I think you look like a guy like Laurie Markin and like he's another guy that you're like, okay, all right, that's a double double kind of guy and, and he can lead a team, um, or at least be a second guy on a championship team, depending on what you put around him. So I think that at the end of the day, like we're gonna see, you know, a shift in what the NBA has been. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of these guys come over with just a different mindset and and better fundamentals and um it'll be it'll be a very fun time and and heaven forbid that we get a, a Luka Wimbanyama team up somehow but that would be just a uh dominant and you know I forgot about Giannis can't yeah. forget about Giannis he's a part of that too um, so but again yeah you could keep going there's probably like 10 or 15 guys in the NBA right now that arguably you could make an argument that are in the top 20 of the NBA that are from other another country and um you know, a lot of our guys that have dominated for so long. I mean, LeBron's about to be done. KD's got maybe five more years left. Steph's got maybe five more years left. Like James Harden's, he's pretty much done. Paul George is pretty much done. You know, Kawhi, maybe five more years. But, yeah, it's a different kind of league. It is. It is. And it's exciting. All the young talent, I think, it is, is super exciting. And, um, you know, I don't. I'm not excited to see the league where LeBron's not in the league anymore. It'll be very different. You know, for me, I've never watched the NBA without LeBron being a part of it. Um, so, but, but it's, it is very exciting knowing that there's all these young players playing. I finally got uh 2k24. I was playing 2k23 for, for a long time, but I got 2k24 cause it was on, uh, on a deal on the PlayStation store. And for my, my career, I put him on the Spurs so I could just play with Victor Wembanyama, and it's just so fun. Like, I'm a power forward, and I'm like, my defense is not very good, but Wembanyama just, like, blocks everything. So, yeah, I don't need it. But, <laughs> yeah, I think what you say, too, is really interesting about the, you know, the skills and things that are coming from international players as opposed to American players. And I'm not an expert on any means on the – youth basketball circuit out there but i do think there's definitely something flawed with the the aau kind of style that we push a lot in the in the united states i mean these kids are are playing 
basketball all year long, all year long, first of all, which I think have in some cases, some studies have shown that, you know, playing the same sport from a very young age can cause for like wear and tear on your body more than kind of playing different sports or, you know, um, just not playing using those same muscles continuously. And also in these AAU tournaments, these kids are playing like seven, eight games a day um, sometimes. And I can't imagine that that's like good for them uh, long-term health wise. And, and like you said, I think there's a lack of fundamentals in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, these, some of these teams, I, again, I'm not an expert on this by any means. So, and I'm sure it's not easy to be a youth basketball coach, but I, I, I think you're right. I think it's the fact where we need to kind of examine a little bit of, you know, what's the commonalities between obviously these players are extremely athletically gifted, but what's some of the commonalities about how these kids were raised playing the game and what made them different to what our style is of, of youth basketball in the United States and I what kind of shifts I, we can make. I forget who I was watching. It was some coach from the, the NBA and he was, you know, talking about, um, the the AAU circuit and how it are like youth um basketball movement is so different from other countries is mm-hmm. like like you said they play so many games like they're playing every day mm-hmm. or on the weekend they play seven eight games like it, it's and there's there's no practice they're just playing yeah. right. and I think the, the they had made the comment that in other countries they practice six days a week and play one day mm-hmm. a week I think that's that's the difference right you you said wear and tear the other thing is you're not practicing so you're not learning the fundamentals you're not being able to go back and watch tape and break down how you played um and a coach is not able to really sit there and coach you and mentor you and help you get better so you have to do that on your own um or hope that your athletic ability and your natural like talent is good enough to get you to that next level in college and then somebody there can help develop you. Um, and we've seen a lot too. Like a lot of these guys are staying in college for mm-hmm. two or three years now because I think they don't have the proper fundamentals to then go into the NBA. Um, and that's that's a big thing. And we've seen that it's taken longer and longer for some of the guys that have come you know, from this country to kind of get it in the NBA. But when you see some of these guys from overseas – it's almost instantaneous when they walk in they're superstars within the league. Um, and, you know, I think that that's a, that's a big, it's a big disparity. And I think that conversation needs to be had. I mean, it's like, it's like football, you know, they, they change the way that we hit mm-hmm. that way. You know, you're not 16 years old mm-hmm. and you don't have six concussions already. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's, yeah. that's just something they have to look at and, and figure out, you know, a, a better way to do it so that, the talent that is here is is able to be competitive so that the NBA does not become, you know, only, you know, players from overseas that are coming over because we've really hurt the youth within mm-hmm. that movement. And then maybe nobody here wants to play basketball. And I think that's a that's a big thing. It took a while for hockey to kind of grow to the point where we had a good amount of American players that were playing it. Um, and you've had some guys over the years that have been pretty big, but – you know what I mean? It's a it's it's a very interesting thing. It's kind of like the MLS in soccer, right? We have to develop that youth and that talent, and you know, put those guys in there to be successful. And I think that's you know, having these kids play 
eight games in a weekend is is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I think you know if, if they all just need to listen to us and we we would fix it all. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, no, but I mean, it's also just like there's so much like money in youth sports, which is crazy to think about. So it's unfortunately hard to see it changing sometime soon. But hopefully, you know, you know that that will be able to slowly shift uh in the united states and you know again getting these kids of course the funder, proper fundamentals but also getting their bodies trained the right way and, and not getting those wear and tear because that's also something we see too is you know guys with so much potential ultimately end up getting injured and you know not becoming the same player anymore and it's like oh man this this kid's 17 18 years old and had a major injury and never came back the same so um mm-hmm. and we've uh, seen a lot of these like the a lot of kids have like um like cardiac arrest events. Yeah. Um, you talk about like Bronny, you talk about, you know, Shaq's son, um, to name a couple, but is that is that a part of, you know, pushing yourself so hard, maybe being so tired, maybe taking so many um energy drinks or caffeine or whatever it may be to stay to stay in tip top shape, to stay performing the way they need to, even though you are pushing yourself so hard. Um, does that play a factor in it? You know, does it not, you know, obviously we don't really know what the behind the scenes, if we're just kind of speculating at this point, but, you know, I think those are, those are questions that need to be answered. Like, are we, are we pushing the youth of today, not just in basketball too hard, but in, in every single sport? I mean, I think you you see some of these kids like there's no reason that, you know, kids who are in middle school or, or freshmen in high school should be dealing with serious injuries like Achilles tears and ACL mm-hmm. tears and cardiac arrest events and, um, you know, five, six concussions. Like, I think yeah. these are things that really need to be looked at and and what what we're doing to develop kids within sports today. Yeah. Definitely, definitely agree. And ever, ever, someone's gonna figure it out. We're all gonna figure it out, and it's it's gonna be great moving forward. So, um, there's too much green stuff involved in it, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it's it's crazy. I was watching, and it's a lot like I'll say, but I was watching the Bishop Shikamore documentary on Max, mm-hmm. and and it there was a big point Bamani Jones made actually about like the reason that was able to happen is just the money. And like the exploitation exploitation in some mm-hmm. in some effects that comes from youth sports, which is crazy to think about. You know, it's really should be about the kids and um of course like preparing them to go to the next level, but also just preparing them to be fun, to learn how to be a good teammate, that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, the, the money in it is is crazy. <laughs> um we'll we'll wrap it there. We'll wrap it there. We got a little bit off topic, but I think we had some good discussions there. Um yeah, for, for this episode of Nothing But Net, it's been Evan, it's been Nick, this has been David. Um, if you guys want to share your thoughts on anything we talked about in this episode, if you see us on social media, feel free to share those out in the comments. Um, make sure you give us a like on social media as well. We truly appreciate it. Share it around if you like what you heard today as well. Um, but until next time, this has been a, another episode of Nothing But Net. And everybody get ready for that trade deadline because it's coming up here very shortly. We'll, We'll see what exciting things may happen.